Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. Off and running Wednesday night, just prior to the U.S. Open, Tom. Yes, absolutely. Teeing off tomorrow morning. We've got a loaded show tonight. Yeah. We've got some review of UFC, was it 263 yes, last weekend? 263. Uh, very fun card. We've got the U.S. Open preview, of course. And we kick off our college football previews by diving in on the Sun Belt Conference, Tom. How'd you feel about our research on the Sun Belt this week? Um, I, th- I think I summed it up to you with the one phrase. Uh, seems like it's the same group at the top. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into it in detail a little later tonight. But let's, uh, let's start right off, Tom, and uh, review the UFC 263 results from last weekend. And it was, a, it was a fun card. It was a really enjoyable card to watch. Yeah, I think some of the, uh, some of the last kind of fights, the last three here, um, lacked a little bit of the sizzle once they got going. Um, obviously, except for Brandon Moreno finishing and winning the title. Yeah, I mean Brandon Moreno. I was I was all over that one. Yeah, last week, you know, I gave him out as a as a selection leading up to the event. It was uh, to me probably you know my my favorite bet of the weekend. I really felt like he was he's just come so far since the beginning of his UFC career and the way that he fought Figueredo last time I, I really felt like he was going to come out on top and he he did it and he did it in a dominant fashion the damage he took to his face all came while Davison Figueredo was on his back Figueredo threw some elbows from his back that that led to a little bit of damage on uh, Moreno's face but nothing that that caused an issue really and uh you know it, Moreno ends up getting the finish in, uh, you know, via submission, and it was he was winning on the feet in the striking game. He was winning the scrambles on the ground. He was getting takedowns. Brandon Moreno is for real. He belongs in the top five pound for pound list in all of MMA right now, and I was just so impressed with that performance. What do you have about that performance, Tom? Yeah, it was good. Um, I think the thing that was the most surprising is that after the draw and it seemed like Moreno was going to hang, I didn't see anything different from Figueredo. Like, he, he kind of just ran the same game plan, same stuff out there. Um, I guess assuming that he was going to catch him, and that would be the difference. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it wasn't. The Moreno came with a little bit of a more aggressive game plan. I think after he realized he could hang with him, um, that confidence grew, and he was way more aggressive in the in this fight than early on in the first one. So. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Terrence McKinney's seven-second knockout oh. of Matt Frivola. What a one hell of a one-two. Yeah, that was pop, awesome. Pop. That, yeah. that left came flying right after that right. It was, it was one of the fastest uh, one-two combos I've ever seen. You can tell he's hit that a few times in the gym. Yeah. And then the fight of the night, Brad Rydell, who was supposed to take on Gregor Gillespie, had some uh, COVID issues, ends up getting rescheduled to fight a very tough and game Drew Dober. Yeah. Boy, was that a fight. That yeah. that was a slugfest. It was so much fun to watch those two guys go at it for 
um, the whole three rounds. Yeah. And then you had Paul Craig. Uh, you know, he comes out with the uh, TKO via injury, technically. Yeah. But, uh, wow, that was an explosive, crazy two minutes of fighting, wasn't it? He's just so good at what he does. He's strong. Um, I think he's underrated for his um, his game, his stand up. Like his stand up, it, it's not where he wants to finish fights, and he, he's not you know knocking people out like crazy. But he hits hard with his jab, and he uses his jab to set up takedowns. Yeah, and, and he does that so well. You watched da- Damian Maya um, afterwards. Damian Maya is trying to do the same thing, but his stand up doesn't allow him to transition to the ground easily all the time and at 44 i think damian Maya's lost a step physically um yeah and it's tough for him to to keep up with the athleticism of the younger guys the maya fight was a real disappointment in my oh, book yeah, it was you know and to watch you're watching maya and he's just continuously trying to get the single and at a few moments it looked like he was going to get the back but he doesn't have the explosiveness you know the the quick twitch movement anymore and and you know as great as he is at what he does he just he can't keep up with the guys who know how to defend it at this point and you know that Bilal Muhammad spent an entire camp preparing for it yeah and he's good enough to be prepared to not get, end up on his back and you know not allow Maya the opportunity to make those transitions in the ground game so and then we had Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz and this was a one-sided fight for a big portion of the fight. Yeah, it really was. Until the last minute and a half when it looked like Nate Diaz was going to knock out Leon Edwards because Edwards got a little sloppy. Yeah, I mean, he hits him. He, he He's walking around in a, in a haze, and Diaz points and laughs at him. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, Finish I him. know that that's all part of his showmanship stuff, yeah. but when you have an opportunity to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat in that moment, You've got to be right there. I mean, I really believe that if he would have immediately attacked, then that fight was going to be Diaz's victory, and it was going to be, you know, it, it would have blown up his stardom even further than it already yeah. is. That it, it would have just added to his legend and his lore. It's really a weird situation with him because he is a huge draw, and he's a huge name in the sport. His record's not that great. He doesn't right. hold a lot of wins over quality competition. But he, um, he always makes the fights entertaining, yeah, and he, he always finds a way to, at some point in the fight, you feel like, oh, my God, Nate might get the finish right here. Yeah, he's a blast to watch, and that's why you like to see him in fights like this where, you know, it's right before the main, um, the two title fights here. Put and, on a show. And then we saw five lopsided rounds between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Yeah. Adesanya just showed that the class that he, sh- that he really has, and, and it's a step above what Marvin Vittori is able to bring at this point. Vittori is a, a really nice fighter, but let's be honest, he's not technical enough to compete with Israel Adesanya. And if you can't get the takedowns, he's not even when he did get the takedowns, he wasn't strong enough to maintain the takedowns. Adesanya struggled obviously against Jan Blahovitz, who's he was stepping up thirty pounds in weight class. You know, it, it's a different story when when you're fighting a guy who's of similar size and stature. And uh, honestly. You know, we can close the book on Vittori as a title contender at this point, if you ask me. Um, you know, he can put on some great fights still, I believe. But I didn't like this fight to begin with as far as, like, a challenge for Adesanya. We'd seen it before. Adesanya dominated the first two rounds. Vittori gets a takedown and just held him down in the third round of the first fight. I, I didn't feel like he was threatened at all, you know? 
I you know what I I want to see. And then go ahead. What about Kamaru Usman against yeah. Israel Adesanya? Why, why, why not have these guys fight each other? You know, Adesanya tried to step up a couple of weight classes to fight for the title, right? At least, you know, one weight one. class. I mean, he, he has the opportunity to compete against uh, Kamaru Usman. And Usman doesn't get taken down. He's a great striker. He's slick as can be. Adesanya, same thing. You'd have matching styles there. I think that you could get a good fight out of it. And yeah. uh, to me, it's the logical fight for Adesanya here moving forward. Adesanya calls out Whitaker. It's going to be another rematch situation. And I feel like you're going to run into the same thing again. You're going to have Adesanya dominant for five rounds of striking, avoiding ending up on his back, avoiding taking the big punishment, and uh, another decision victory for Israel Adesanya. And uh, to me, that just it's costing him the opportunity to become a megastar by fighting these guys that he's already fought. He's not getting that big challenger, you know. He's yeah. not getting, uh, you know, his Randy Couture to Chuck Liddell or, you know, yeah. the Tito Ortiz, Ken Shamrock. You know, that's the that's the, the thing. And even to a lesser extent, McGregor and Diaz, you know, those type of things, those rivalries, those those multiple matches that you end up having with guys who are also in the top tier, that feels like what makes the difference between somebody who's a, you know, he's been a UFC champ, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, all that stuff. But between those guys and the guys who become legends of the sport. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they end up booking. If it is Whitaker, it'll be, you know, we'll all watch it, we'll get ready for it, but uh, it won't be as exciting as something new and fresh will be. But I think that's, you know, some of it's on the other fighters for not getting themselves into a spot where it makes sense for them to fight them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... They, you, they need they need a star to come up that can really put the put the challenge to Adesanya, somebody who's as good at striking as he is. Um, you know, you just again, he, he needs that uh, that just extra little push to be a megastar, a legend in yeah. this sport. So, uh, moving on from MMA, we do have uh, there is an MMA card this weekend. We're not going to cover it in detail tonight no. um, because you know it's the Korean Zombie. Um, taking on uh, Danny, Gay. Danny Gay. So, you know, not not an exciting card uh, by any stretch. I mean, I'll watch it. I'm sure I will, too. Um, but I, it's just not going to be one that... It, it, it doesn't just... Uh, yeah, we didn't need to take up time tonight with it. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't hit the radar very well. Um, there will be good fights on it. It will be fun to watch, as always, but um, it's, not, it's not a big deal. U.S. Open? Let's talk a little about the U.S. Open, the uh, 2021 U.S. Open here at Torrey Pines, uh, which is a bear of a course by all accounts right now. Um, very long, and the rough is brutal. Yeah, I was seeing something they're talking about. They've grown it extra roughy for this yeah. one here. And, you know, I think that they definitely want to punish people for ending up in the rough. There's been discussion over the years about this. You know, does the USGA grow up the rough too tall and make it so that it's not as fun because guys have to just chip out and they can't even try to go to the green from if they miss the fairway? So to me, I think that that punishment is uh, it's all part of the U.S. Open. And then it shows the guys who can advance the ball and find a way to get up and down from inside 100 yards. You know, they they knock it out 60, 70, 80 yards ahead. 
and then they find a way to hit a wedge tight and make par. So it's, it adds a different element to the U.S. Open typically. I think that they're they're going to kind of be back in that mold this year with a, a very thick, deep rough there at Torrey Pines. If they get any rain, that stuff is going to get so gnarly it's impossible. So it'll be really interesting to see how the conditions play out this week. I think they're expecting uh, dry conditions throughout the weekend, though. Um, being such a long venue, it, typically the long hitters have a lot of success at Torrey Pines. Right. However, you go back to 2008, and it was Rocco Mediate in a playoff against Tiger Woods. Right. Tiger Woods, obviously super long. Rocco Mediate, not. He just hits a nice controlled draw off the tee every time, hits the fairway, and uh, found ways to strike his long irons very well. And, uh, and competed right to the wire, obviously, including a playoff against an injured Tiger Woods. So there, there are multiple avenues you can look at to try and select a winner this week. Do you have any favorites? Any, a lot of people are, uh, are all about John Rahm after the memorial event there where he had to uh, withdraw due to the COVID yeah, situation. Yeah, great. Yeah, now he's cleared. He he hits all the markers as far as his driving accuracy, his uh, driving distance. He does all the things that you want to see somebody do well yeah. to compete at this venue. And he's coming off like a tragic situation, essentially, where yeah. he gives away a win because he ends up with COVID. So there there are a lot of factors here that lean people into into wagering on John Rahm. So that's one really good storyline. What do you think regarding John Rahm this week? Yeah, I think he's got to be one of the – I mean, they have him as the shortest. How do you say? Plus 900 I'm seeing him at right now, which is pretty crazy for a major. Um, everyone's there. The next closest is Dustin Johnson at plus six, 1,600. So I think John Rahm is a pretty clear favorite. Yeah, and, you know, that that's a lot in, in a golf event like this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like John Rahm's game a lot. And and he's a he's a great player. I like he's fiery. I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, um, you know when he gets in trouble, he can fall apart. But uh, he doesn't seem to get in a whole lot of trouble anymore. No. He, he he's a really really good golfer at this point in his career. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the other storylines here. I I think that you know Rory McIlroy's game just hasn't been that great of yeah. late, and I think that you're. You're paying a premium for his name at plus 2000 I don't think that he's worth a play at that kind of price tag right now because his his, his recent form doesn't suggest that he's ready to compete in a major at this point, I don't believe. Um, you've got Jordan Spieth, who had a great resurgence early this year and, and had a really good run there. He, he's playing good golf. Yeah. Um, can he keep the ball in the fairway in a major and, and have an opportunity to win on Sunday? Well, if he does, then, uh, you know, plus 2,000, that, that right in that same range with Rory McIlroy. Yeah, Patrick Reed's another one who uh, can do well in some of these courses like that. He hits a ton of fairways. He hits, and, and honestly, I think that hitting a ton of fairways is just as important as driving it long on this golf course. It's you've got to save do you. one or the other, you know. Yeah. You've got to hit it a mile and, and – if, if you miss the fairway, okay, well, you've got a short iron in your hand. Or you've got to hit a ton of fairways. So Right. If, you, if you're going to hit it 285 and in, in the fairway, you're going to have a better look than someone's going to hit it 310. Than someone hits it 310 and in the right. rough because the rough, they're going to probably just have to 
take their medicine, chip yeah. it out, you know, and then they're still going to have more left. Um, Morikawa is a pretty good um, example for that. Yeah, Kev. yeah plus 2,200 on Colin Morikawa. He's playing as well as anyone right now. Loses in a playoff at, at the Memorial. Yeah. Um, he hits it in the fairway so often. Um, his iron striking is as good as anyone on tour. Uh, so plus 2,200 on Morikawa, I think that's a that's a reasonable play. Let's try and talk about some of the guys who are off the board a little bit here as far as the wagers. I mean, Phil Mickelson, you can still get a plus 6,500. He's the, the PGA champion uh, playing in his hometown here in the U.S. Open, and you know it's the one major that he wants to win. I just don't know if you can trust him to hit it in the fairway enough to be competitive yeah. here. One of the things we were talking about um, before this is that shots – gained off the tee is going to be big for this because those are usually the guys that hit it far enough but straight enough to consistently have good second third shots and what have you and one of them that, that pops out to me is joaquin neiman is ninth um in that and you can get him at a really good value here what i see it at seven thousand was it yeah plus seven thousand for joaquin neiman yeah um someone who a little bit off the board not going to be everybody's favorite to win it but if he plays his game, gets it down there, makes yeah. some putts, he could be there at the end of the end of the weekend. Yeah, and some of the guys that I like in this range, you know, like the the plus five thousand to plus nine thousand range before yeah. you get into the to the big long shots. Um, I, I like Sung J M. Um, he's top fifteen in driving accuracy and strokes gained off the tee. Yeah. Um, you know, he he shows uh, relatively good recent form. Uh, to me, that's that's a, a guy that you've got to keep your eye on. Um, plus nine thousand on them. That, that's a that's a really good price. I think it's a good value um, and a good guy to have a few bucks on. Uh, Daniel Berger at plus five thousand. He's accurate off the tee and he's got just enough pop to get it out there far enough. So he's kind of that combination that you're looking for. He has a win at Pebble Beach, another West Coast venue out there. He feels comfortable playing in those West Coast on those West Coast courses. And uh, he has three top 20s in his last four starts. So he shows some recent form. When you combine all of those factors, I think Daniel Berger at plus 5,000 is as good a play as anyone right now. There's some long shots I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more in this category before we get play to the long shots. Sam play Burns. Sammy Burns. Sam Burns. He has uh, a, an incredibly good resume in 2020. Let, let me just take 2021. Um, let's just take a look here. He His performance so far this season, he's got a victory at the Valspar, finished second at the AT&T Byron Nelson, finished third at the Genesis Invitational. He has six top ten finishes in 2021. He's ninth in FedEx Cup rankings. He's made over $3.6 million this year. He had to withdraw at the PGA Championship. Uh, he came back and played in the Memorial. Didn't play great. Um he is 47th on the PGA Tour in strokes gained off the tee, 15th in strokes gained approach, 25th in strokes gained putting, 26th in total strokes gained, and uh, 42nd in strokes gained tee to green. His statistics, his form, his performance throughout the course of the entire season tell me that Sam Burns is a guy that we should take a look at here. So, you know, for me, it's it's another one of those names at plus 10,000. So, you know, Five bucks will win you $500 to throw on Sam Burns this weekend. And um, I think when he gets hot, he's as tough as anyone. So out of the guys that haven't won a major in the past, 
um, and, and kind of down the list a little bit, you can get a great price on Sam Burns is one that stands out to me. Looking at some of the longer shots here to take a swing at, there's two that jump out based on the same kind of stats we were just looking at. First is Bubba Watson, 12,500 here, plus 12,500, and he is sixth in um, shots gained off, off the tee. And then, uh, lost my spot, Sergio Garcia, 11,000. He's second on tour at shots gained off the tee. A couple of guys you can put a little bit of money, take a big swing at. Um, I mean, honestly, if either one of them is in contention, that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, I like throwing some some darts at those two here with, with the value coming back from those two. All right, well, now let me get, let me one-up you with even bigger long shots here that you could throw a few bucks on. Uh, Wilco Nienaber, South African player who bombs it as far as Bryson DeChambeau does. Uh, he's played fairly well. This is a guy that, that's uh, playing well on the European tour. Um, young guy. He can mash it out there. Plus 25000 in the event. Now, would I play him to win? I, I might throw five bucks on him to win. Yeah, but this is a guy nice you could out. put a. This is a guy that you could play a top twenty or uh, you know a top ten on, and uh, have an opportunity to to make some some really nice cash. Uh, let's see, Jonathan top, Vegas too. Yeah, he, he's way up there in strokes gained. I know. Yeah. Um, let me just see if I can find Nina Burr's numbers for top ten, plus eighteen hundred to finish in the top ten. Um, you know, that, that that's a really nice price for a top 10 finish. Absolutely. And there was one other name here. Who, who I forgot Marty. Marty Keimer was a person. I know, right? He has basically disappeared from, from Earth for yeah. an extended <laughs> period of time here. Saw that name, did a double take. I know, right? And this is a guy that I think he's a two-time major champion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just... He, he really fell off a cliff there with his career. Johnny Vegas is a plus 1,800 to finish top 10 as well. I'm uh, into that. Yeah. As we were talking about uh, um, shots gained off the tee, Vegas is fourth. Yeah. And you can get him at plus 1,800. Or 18, was it 1,800 you said? Yeah. To finish in the top 10. Yeah. That's a heck of a deal. It's crazy. And, you know, some of these guys, when you're talking about finishing top ten, it's even money to get John Rahm. It's uh, plus one sixty to get Dustin Johnson. So when you get Gross. down to like plus eighteen hundred, you've got you've got some big price tags there that uh, that you can you can make some cash on. I, Sam Burns to me at plus seven hundred to finish top ten is one of the better values that you can find here. So uh, I'm very excited about the U.S. Open. Kicks off tomorrow morning. West Coast U.S. Opens are my favorite because you get nearly a prime time finish on yeah. sunday afternoon um it won't end until nine o'clock at night nine thirty at night something like that and uh man that's awesome uh to have those late finishes i'll be playing a little golf on saturday and then settling in the afternoon to watch some uh u.s open action for an extended period of time so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun next on our docket tonight, after we take a quick break, will be our Sunbelt preview. And for those who don't recall what the Sunbelt looked like last year, we had uh, ap we had uh, three teams that were really pretty strong in 
Appalachian State was the third best team. Louisiana Lafayette and Coastal Carolina, your defending champions. So uh, we'll be back right after this to go into detail on some of these Sun Belt teams and talk about what we think we're going to see out of them this season. And welcome back to the Hammered Sports Podcast. Yes. As we prepare to talk about the Sun Belt, Tom. College football, let's go. Let's chat it up. Are we going to talk about the best teams first or the teams that had the least success first? Uh, Let's start with some of the bottom dwellers. Louisiana Monroe. (laughs) (laughs) Not calling anyone out, but you. (laughs) Winless in 2020. Gross. However, Coach Terry Bowden, who holds a special place in my heart as the head coach of the first Auburn Tigers team that I followed as a kid uh, led them to an undefeated season had a tremendous record there it was so exciting I I, I loved it and uh, now Terry Bowden after a stop in Akron where he showed you know reasonable success I guess 500 record ish each year but for a program that struggles and has struggled since his departure. Um, Terry Bowden does all right as a head coach, if you ask me. Uh, he's taking over the helm here at, at Louisiana Monroe, uh, trying to turn around a Warhawks program that, that finished winless in 2020. They returned seven starters on offense and 10 on defense. Jeremy Hunt is the likely starter at quarterback, and Isaiah Phillips will return in the backfield. Uh, defensively, they are returning 10 starters. And What's who, your take on it, Tom? I was just going to say, and who uh, who did they bring in to run the offense? Rich Rodriguez. Rich Rod. That'll be uh, a much more wide-open offense, you got to believe. Yeah, and uh, his son, Rhett, is coming over to compete for the quarterback job. So um, I think this is one of those things where this this team is just, it can't compete with the top teams in its its conference. And its conference is probably the weakest of all. So they have a hard time competing with anyone. They got a couple games, Kentucky, LSU this year. Yeah, I wrote wrote games to watch. 11-6 at Texas State and 11-13 versus Arkansas State. Those are the two games that I think they could compete to win this year. Yeah, Uh, it's going to be tough. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's if – if Terry and Rich are going to make it work, it's going to take time to get guys that can run their system. And uh, my belief is that they'll, it'll be a slower, a, a little bit of a slow start this season. And um, I look, I look forward to seeing what they can do in 2022, though. Um, that'll be exciting to me, you know, as they as they start to get their guys, their system. Um, I think they could become a 500-ish team. They the averaged 16.3 points per game last year. Ugly. In college football. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Not good. Let's move to the Texas State Bobcats. On it. Jake Spavital returns for his third season leading the Bobcats. Uh, Texas State is returning 16 starters, including their quarterback, Brady McBride. Um, He had a solid 2020. uh, 17 touchdowns, 7 picks. They get both of their running backs back, Brock Sturgis and Calvin Hill. um, And their top two receivers as well. Uh, defensively, they've got a, a nice defensive tackle in Nico Azador. Um, he had three and a half sacks in 2020 and uh, shows some promise there. Um, they're going to need to get better 
on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. They were in the bottom third of the nation in almost every statistical category defensively. I think that um, they're going to continue to languish near the bottom of the Sun Belt in 2021. And I think that this is a, maybe the one team that Louisiana Monroe could pass in the standings in 2021. Yeah, they, they've done a couple of nice things. The one thing I noticed that I saw, um, I noticed that I saw, uh, they got a couple transfers just for the O-line, um, bringing some guys in from the ACC and the SEC to kind of add some some beef and some muscle to help that side of the ball out. So, uh, yeah, it's still going to be a tough go because their defense is, is what was the problem last year. Yeah. Um, another interesting team here um, that's near the bottom, Arkansas State. The Red Wolves bring in Butch Jones to take over as head coach. Um, Butch Jones uh, spent the past few seasons since his departure from Tennessee as an offensive analyst and the assistant head coach to Nick Saban at Alabama. Uh, Jones uh, did have success at Tennessee, and when you look back at it, he had a couple of nine and four seasons back to back. Then they went, they started four and six in 2017, and they got canned. He got canned. Um, he had success at Cincinnati prior to that. Uh, this is a guy who's who's built up every program that he's gone to. So I think there's some promise for Arkansas State with Butch Jones taking the job there. Uh, they did maintain, they did retain their offensive coordinator Keith Heckendorf. Um, because offensively, there wasn't a lot of problems there. They had some success, and Lane Hatcher showed a lot of promise. So um, Lane Hatcher will be the starting quarterback there. He, uh, passed, for, he passed for over 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, and two picks in his time. Yeah, they were, they were rotating last year, quarterbacks. They brought in James Blackman, too, from Florida State. So Oh, well, that'll be a very— Should be, you know, maybe something they work out in camp. I don't know yeah. if— uh, they they did, like I said they did the quarterback rotation thing last year where they're alternating series. Yeah, I don't know if that's something they want to continue. I hate that for the yeah. record. I if you if you can't figure out which quarterback is the number one, you don't have any quarterbacks, right? Biggest issue that I see is the receiving group has, is going to be really inexperienced. Um, they they lost a lot of their production from last year in the receiving room. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they do return two of their top three tacklers and Jeff Mario Brown, uh, who's a senior linebacker, and Ellery Alexander, a senior free safety. Uh, so they have some good experience on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think there will be some growing pains for Butch Jones um, while he gets his players in place. Um, and I do look for a big jump in 2022 Ooh. with this group, though. Got a couple big wide receivers, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, yeah. at the top of the depth chart. Some big boys. Absolutely. Let's go to South Alabama. Uh, Mobile. Kane Womack is the new head coach in Mobile. Um, he comes from a coaching family. Uh, his father, Dave Womack, um, some of you might remember him as the defensive coordinator for Ole Miss, Arkansas State, and Georgia Tech um, as recently as like 2011. I think Paul Johnson let him go after the 2011 season. Um, Kane comes from Indiana. Um, he was the defensive coordinator for Tom Allen. Um, Indiana's defense did a nice job there. So, um, you know, I, I expect this is this could be a nice hire there. The other name that stands out here south alabama offense is going to be led by offensive coordinator major applewhite uh former head coach of the houston cougars uh quarterback for texas uh spent time on their coaching staff and uh, most notably he has been working with nick saban uh, as an analyst with their group um also their new quarterback is jake bentley from south carolina and by way of utah um <laughs> so he had a quick stop there with the utes um, taking advantage of his extra season of eligibility this year. Um, Desmond Trotter was solid in 2020, uh, but I think Jake Bentley probably has a leg up on getting that job. 
um, Terry and Avery and Jared Wilson will be leading the backfield in 2021. Um, Jalen Tolbert um, had a solid 2020 as a receiver, um, and he'll be back in 2021. Nine returning starters on defense. Um, this group needs to improve on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and the offensive line gave up 40 sacks, uh, yeah. which is insane for a short season like they had. Yeah. I expect a big jump on the offensive side of the ball for a team that played some they, they played some really poor offensive games in 2020. Um, I don't think they're going to have those duds with this group uh, leading them. I, I think that we're going to see a, a step forward for South Alabama this year. Um, yeah, you know. to highlight some of that, their offensive rankings, scoring 112th last year, rushing 112th, just really we're not getting it done. Yeah, yeah, I expect a big jump here with uh, with the changes that they've made. So. Uh, excited to, to see what happens there. Uh, let's stay in Alabama and go to Troy, where Chip Lindsey enters his third season as the head coach of the Trojans and returns 21 of 22 starters from the 2020 season. Uh, Chip it's, nice. it's nice when you could have that happen. Huh? Oh, yeah. Chip Lindsey, uh, he likes to throw the ball a lot, and uh, he had a very efficient Gunnar Watson uh, triggering the offense for him. Um, Watson returns all of his top targets uh, in the backfield. is going to be a timeshare between Kamani Vidal and B.J. Smith. Uh, they combined for 793 yards in 2020. Uh, Kalen Geiger caught 64 passes for 752 yards. And uh, Reggie Todd and Trey Eifert uh, chipped in with 77 catches and 924 combined yards. Um, you know, so they're getting back a lot of their production. Um this is a team that was competitive in a lot of games last year. Yeah, I was just going to say they were five and six, but four of those losses were by less than a score. Yeah, so it's not a team that was getting blown out. Um, the defense returns ten starters to a unit that they need to improve in the passing game. They struggled against the pass a bit in 2020. Um, Will Cholo is a strong defensive tackle that he produced four and a half sacks in 2020, and uh, Richard Jibinor. Um, is a redshirt sophomore linebacker that had four and a half sacks as well. Um, I think this is an arrow up team. Uh, they battled Coastal tight in the last game of the season. Yeah, um, lost a couple other close games out there. We talked about. Yeah, they had two games get away from them at BYU, which were the darlings at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and then at um, Appalachian State, which happens to the best of them uh, when those guys get rolling. So. The rest of the, the schedule, they either won or lost by one score, including a, a scare into Coastal Carolina at the yeah. end of the year. We thought we were going to get an upset there for a minute. Yeah, games to watch this season. Uh, September 11th against Liberty, uh, who will have uh, Malik Willis at, at quarterback, and uh, he's, uh, by all accounts, a, an NFL prospect at this point. Um, October 2nd at South Carolina. Um, they're rebuilding there under Shane Beamer, um, so that'll be a – interesting group to see what they've got and uh november 20th um i put a circle around this one because they play appalachian state after getting embarrassed last year by appalachian state yeah and i, I think home. this is i think this is a, a, a revenge spot for them so um that's why i put a circle on that one let's move to georgia state uh the panthers are led by head coach sean elliott and they're coming off a six and four season um, the only bad loss they had was at the hands of Coastal, where they lost 51 uh, yeah. Georgia State, they feature a solid, balanced attack on offense. Uh, they return all 11 starters on offense. 
this will be a fun group to watch. Cornelius Brown the fourth is the starting quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, alongside Brown will be junior running backs Destin Coates and Tucker Gregg. They produced 1,230 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns, nearly five yards per carry in 2020. Uh, defensively, they return their top tackler and Blake Carroll. Um, and they've got uh, redshirt freshman safety Antavius Lane, who could grow to be a really solid player for this defense. Uh, they need to replace their stud pass rusher, Jordan, Jordan Strachan. Um, that's going to be a tall order. He went to South Carolina, right? Um, I think so, yeah. Um, questions on this team's success will all be based on how much they can improve defensively. Um, I expect the offense to take another step forward. And I put here in my notes, this is one of my favorite season win totals over for tw overs for 2021. Yeah. It's set at five and a half. They have some brutal non-conference games, and I think that's going to prepare them well for their conference play. Yeah, at North Carolina, at Auburn. Yeah. Not much fun there. September 4th, uh, they play Army in the opening game of the season. Yeah. That's always uh, going to be a slugfest. Um, at UNC on September 11th, at Auburn September 25th, at Coastal Carolina November 13th. Those are all brutal games, right? They play yeah. 12. If they lose all four of those games, you got to find a way to be 6-2 and two outside of that to get above the season win yeah. total. I think this team's good enough to do that. Yeah, they were 4-4 four and four in conference last year, but you lost to Louisiana in overtime. Um you got smoked by Coastal Carolina, but you lost at Arkansas State by a touchdown. You lost at App State by four. So uh, you're only a few plays away from changing that around dramatically. Um, and they, they beat East, East Carolina. You know, they, it's not, there's some of those out-of-conference games are not out of reach for them. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe, maybe Auburn might be, but, uh, yeah. you know, they're not exactly the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, UNC is probably out of the question right now, you yeah. know, that, that those those games they can win against Army. I mean, they they can beat Army. It, it it'd be a tough game. Yeah, but they can win the football game. And this will be a team that's fun to keep an eye on. Some overs. They scored thirty three point three points last year per game, and they're again like Kevin said, they're all eleven starters are back on offense. Yeah, uh, should lead to a lot of fun games with them. No question. I, I think it, if that team stays healthy, they're gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna surprise this year, and they might put a scare into uh, Auburn or UNC this year yeah, one early of them. on. Georgia Southern. Coach Chad Lunsford begins his fourth full season at the helm for the Eagles. They're coming off an 8-5 and five record, and they return seven offensive and seven defensive starters. Um, their losses in 2020, they came to strong opponents in close games. They could have easily won 10 games here is what I put down. Biggest question, can Sam Kennerson, a three-star athlete redshirt freshman, step in for the graduated shy words at quarterback and lead this pistol option offense? Um, J.D. King and Logan Wright return in the backfield, and the offensive line has four seniors expected to start in 2021. Um, defensively, they'll have a new linebacker group losing their top two tackling backers from 2020. Uh, I see some regression coming for this team this year, Tom. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the – Know, finished fifth nationally in rushing yards per game last year. Um, really well nationally on defense. Uh, Going to be tough to replace some of those guys on that defensive side. When you look at these teams that are returning 21 starters and 20 starters and 19 starters, and, and then you're, you're returning 14, 
um, including replacing your, your stud quarterback that, that's done a great job there in that offense. I think it's going to be really hard to do. I think that you can expect some, some uh, a step back for this group, unfortunately. Um, games to watch. September 18th, they play at Arkansas. September 25th, they play Louisiana at home. And November 20th, they play home against BYU. Um, so those will be some interesting games to watch for that team this year. Now we're getting to the, to the creme de la creme of uh, the Sun Belt Conference here. Appalachian State. App State, they returned 17 starters for head coach Sean Clark. Their biggest question mark for the Mountaineers will be how good is Chase Bryce? The Duke slash Clemson transfer that will be taking over at quarterback for them. Um, Zach Smith had a really nice career in Boone. And uh, to see him graduate, and now Chase Bryce is going to take over there. Problem is, Chase Bryce led the nation in turnovers last year with 22 turnovers. Yeah. Um, the good news for App State, they returned Cameron Peoples and Daytrick Harrington and Nate Noel. Um, they rushed for a combined 2,229 yards and 22 touchdowns. This team is all about the running game. Is that great running game going to make Chase Bryce a little better than playing at Duke, who had no running game and well, played in a tough conference? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the running game plus not having to go against ACC defenses every week should yeah. help. Yeah. The combination is nice. nice. I'm Chase. still not sure Chase Bryce is better than Zach Smith was there, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see how he fits in there. Uh, the Mountaineers also returned their top four pass catchers. Thomas Hannigan, Jalen Virgil, Christian Wells, and Malik Williams all come back. There are plenty of weapons for Bryce to work with against lower-tier competition in the Sun Belt this year. Um, App State returns their top three tacklers on defense. Overall, 10 returning starters on defense. That's going to keep this defense really good. It was top 20 in the nation in many categories, including points per game and yards per play. Um, I think there will be a slight step back maybe on the offensive side of the ball this year. Um, but overall, I think this is going to be a tough group, and I think that they can compete with Louisiana and Coastal uh, in the Sun Belt. How about how, what say you, Tom Abbey? Yeah, I can't wait for the first game of the season. They they play East Carolina right off the bat. Yeah, and I think it'll be fun to kind of see where those two teams are and uh, how they stack up against each other. And I, uh, this team's always been fun to watch. Yeah, um, for over a decade, this has been a team where. You go, hey, I got to make sure I catch a couple App State games this year right. and, and take a look at what they got. So I don't expect that to change this year. Um, like I said in the beginning, I, I expect these top like three teams to be near the top and slugging it out as we get closer to the end of the season. Uh, week two, they play at Miami on September 11th. And uh, on October 12th, they play at Louisiana. So those are two big tests for this group uh, to see how good they are. We're going to know by the second week of October, um, whether this team's for real or not. Yeah, and then they get to play Coastal Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we go to Lafayette, Louisiana, for Louisiana, led by Billy Napier, which returns 20 of 22 starters from his 2020 squad that finished the season 10-1. and Their lone loss at the hands of Jamie Chadwell's Coastal Carolina, 30-27. to Coastal Carolina. Finished the season undefeated in conference, and uh, their only loss comes to Liberty and Malik Willis. Yeah, this Louisiana team 
upset Iowa State 31-14 to week one last year. An Iowa State team that was on the fringe of the playoff discussion. Yeah. I liked Iowa State to win the Big 12 last year. Yeah. I got off to a great start with that. Yeah. Uh, the Cajuns return senior quarterback Levi Lewis. He comes off a season where he completed 60% of his passes. Fifth year starter, yeah. nonetheless. 2,274 yards, 19 to 7 touchdown to INT ratio. Uh, rushed for 335 yards. They rank number 11 in the nation in yards per carry. Uh, they do lose Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. Um, so redshirt sophomore Chris Smith is expected to step in. Um, he had 350 yards on 62 carries. Um, and Michael Orphy Jr. is expected to also uh, take part in the backfield. Um, Lafayette returns their top three pass catchers from 2020. Um, defensively, they return a strong linebacker group, including Lorenzo McCaskill and their leading sack man, Farad Gardner. Uh, this team's going to compete with Coastal for the Sun Belt crown. I, yeah. I, I really think that it, it comes down to those two teams, unless App State really takes a, uh, you know a, another step forward on the offensive side of the ball. Um, again, I, I think that, that there's so many questions around the top of the Sun Belt that center on how, how good Chase Bryce is there. Like, I think that matters a lot for what happens at the top of this division. But, you know, games to watch, 9-4, September 4th, yeah. they play at Texas. Just rip her off like a bandit. Let's see how good you are. You're returning 20 starters. You're playing at Texas right right away to start the season. You can you can have the world buzzing about you if you beat Texas. All this talk about playoff expansion to 12 teams. Uh, you beat Iowa State last year. If you go in and you beat Texas to start the season, which I think you have a legitimate shot to do, yeah, you you're going to uh, put some eyes on the Sun Belt Conference. What people view as is maybe one of the weakest conferences in college football uh, is going to have all of a sudden some eyes on it. Going, man, you know, even in the weakest conference, they can go in and and beat Big Twelve teams on the road every year. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, and Billy Napier is can name his job really still at this point. So, um, you know, excited to see what Louisiana puts puts forth this season. Finally, the defending Sun Belt champions, uh, Coastal Carolina. Coach Jamie Chadwell returns 19 starters from their squad that went 11-1 and last year. Their only defeat coming to that Liberty team, uh, Malik Willis, Hugh Freeze, you know, a game that was crazy back Overtime. and forth. Over, yeah, just wild, wild football game. Uh, Grayson McCall returns for his redshirt sophomore season. Completed nearly 69% of his passes for 2,488 yards, 26 touchdowns, three interceptions. Rushed for 569 yards and scored seven touchdowns on the ground. They get good re returning production in the backfield in Shamari Jones and Reese White. They both tallied over 80 carries in 2020 and had a combined 876 yards. Um, let's see, nine touchdowns. Defensively, they returned 10 starters with the lone loss being sixth-round pick Taron Jackson, um, you know, who plays for the Eagles now. Yeah. They ranked 17th in points per game and 19th in points per game allowed in 2020. When you have that high scoring of an offense and you're bringing back your whole offensive line and your starting quarterback, you have to expect for that to continue. Yeah. Yeah, and, and should they be able to avoid the injury bug? You know, nothing major happens to the, sure. you know some of the key producers on this team. I don't see how they're not, you know, getting late in the season, you know, with uh, a, an incredible team here. You know, this is going to be really fun. Yeah, Kevin and I are uh, 
eyeing up the schedule here. We may be going to one yeah, of Yeah, September 18th. At um, Buffalo. Yeah, as long as I'm not coaching either football game, I plan to be at uh, Let's make it. UB that day. Should be a lot of fun. Restrictions have been lifted here in New York State. Yeah. So uh, I think... It Sounds like a day. I don't see... But they had a top 20 rushing attack, and they took their shots when they were given the opportunity passing the ball. With Chadwell and uh, Grayson McCall uh, both back for 2021, I don't think there's going to be any real regression with this group at all. My, you know, let, let's do this, Tom. Let, let's make our picks for uh, the Sun Belt Conference champion now. Um, what do you think? Is it? Is it? Uh, I think it's Coastal Carolina. You think I, it's Coastal? I think that they, to me, they seem like the one that's building something that hasn't reached the peak yet. Uh, I think they're still getting to it i think last year was a glimpse of what they could do really close to completing the uh, undefeated season i actually as i was looking at their schedule i'm a little disappointed they don't have a stiffer out of conference uh, game um, yeah it'd be nice to see them go up against a big boy or two yeah and kind of see what they can make out of it i, I really feel um it, it's a little disappointing not to see them go up with somebody the big 10 or the acc just somebody Coastal and uh, Louisiana do not play in the regular season this year, right? Ooh. I'm pretty sure they do not play one another in the in the regular season. No. I think we have the potential. It is possible that uh, Louisiana's got to get by Texas, right? If Louisiana gets by Texas, there's a chance that we could have two undefeated teams from the Sun Belt going head-to-head. In the conference title game, that'd be crazy. It would be crazy. I, I yeah, I, th- I think that uh, you have the three teams that really have a shot at it, um, but I think Coastal just has the complete package. It's climb. They're climbing this pinnacle. I think this year will be the year where we see the best. It, again, it just their chance to get a really good bowl game is hindered by the out of conference right. schedule. Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, with this, I don't know how much you've been listening in on on this uh, playoff expansion discussion. And, you know, we'll go into that a little bit. We're going to have a podcast on it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited at the potential of a 12-team playoff. A lot of people, I wouldn't say a lot of people, I think more people are in favor of the 12-team playoff than are against it. You've got the old... It's logistics becomes the problem. I, I love some of the ideas that they're throwing out yeah. there. Twelve teams, four teams get a bye. The other teams, the next four teams get a home game in the first round. Yep. You know, and then you you've got uh, conference champions, and you've got some at large bids that get in. I, I think that you could have some really exciting football. Listen, is Coastal Carolina going to run the table and beat Alabama to win a national championship? Probably not. Um, are they going to beat Clemson? Are they going to beat Ohio State? You know, those are the those are the teams that. They're they're absolutely at the top, but but you know th- th- right now the bowl system sucks. <laughs> the bowl system sucks. Let let's be honest about this. You've got opt outs galore come bowl season. The best players are opting out for bowl games. Okay, so y- you're worried about what. By, by creating this playoff system. You've got now the top 12 teams in the country, and you're not going to get these opt-outs because the games matter. These guys are playing for a championship. You didn't get opt-out in, in the uh, you know the, the top four play the college football playoff now. 
you know, those guys aren't those best players aren't opting out. Let's not go down the road of having all these opt-outs. You've got 12 teams now where you're not going to see that. Yes, you, you, could you get teams that have locked up their uh, you know, their division and they're going to be in the playoffs and there's a regular season game or a conference championship game that doesn't matter and we don't get a we we have players that don't play in those games. Yeah, I don't care about that. I care about the teams that are competing at the end of the season. So I, I'm really excited about the potential of a 12-team playoff. We'll talk in detail about it as we get closer to the college football season. Um, but they're talking about, you know, this year and next year, it's going to remain the same. 2023 yeah. is when we could see the big change. Yeah, and it's definitely gaining momentum. And I think one of the things that's to me is interesting is, let's say Coastal Carolina, just because that's what we're just talking about. They become a powerhouse in the Sun Belt. If you're being recruited, do you want to go to Coastal Carolina, who's consistently getting in this 12-team playoff and playing against the best on national TV and playoff games, or do you want to go to the fifth-best ACC team? Right. You know, I think you'll start seeing some more of the... I think we can see some parity. You can see some better recruits going to some of these other schools, knowing right. that they'll have a better chance to kind of show off in these big games. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited to, to see what happens here. Um, I think, uh, are we going to wrap up for the night, Tom? Yeah, I think we're going yeah, uh, to... We're going to button up tonight. Up we're going to push the, the top 15 fantasy NFL quarterbacks to next week um, in, uh, you know, just in, in kind of looking at with the U.S. Open talk tonight and uh, the Sun Belt preview, I think that uh, in the UFC review, um, keep the keep the episode length a little tidy here under an hour. And uh, next week we'll hit you with that. And what conference are we doing next week, Tom? Do you remember? Oh, is it boy. Mountain West or Mac? I think it's, I think it's Mountain West. Mountain West. So next week. Well, we, it is now. <laughs> yeah, now we've just made that decision right on the air, live. Uh, we'll do it live. Mountain West preview next week. Yes. Uh, so uh, all you folks that like to stay up late on Saturday night, uh, you know that's me. That's me. <laughs> Hit me. Um, Mountain West preview next week. Really excited to continue the college football preview season here. Um, you know, and then fantasy football is coming right down the line. We might end up having to double up some week and do two position groups for the fantasy football talk. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Hammered at hammered underscore sports on Twitter. Um, we promise to up our Twitter game here. You know, it's we. It's been rough. It it has. You know, this guy had to get married and stuff, and you know, it's been a wild spring here. <laughs> yes. But we promise to up that game. Um, hammered sports podcast on Facebook and um, you know you can always hit us up personally if you want to at kgrayjr99 on Twitter at tabby11 on Twitter yes um, so you know let, let's have some interaction here guys and um, we're going to run some polls and stuff probably as uh, maybe maybe uh, during the US Open I'll try to get some stuff out there it'll be fun alright alright everybody we'll catch you all next week <laughs>